Good morning, friends, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Quarantine. Today, um, you may recall, I was going to release the episode about Betty Free Dan, but I've decided, I know, to push it back another episode because I'm just so anxious to get this one released. It is probably my favorite episode I have done, and um, I mean, it's pretty cool, and you'll recall that last week I was on vacation, so over the week I have worked with a woman who you were about to talk to, um, Kate Kelly. And we uh, did an interview yesterday over Zoom. And honestly, I'm just so excited for you guys to hear it. It was a really good conversation. And I'm really glad that I got to know her and learn more about the amazing things she does. So please enjoy. But first, let's begin this episode with one minute of headlines to update you on the world around us. U.S. News. One. Fox News started off this Tuesday by stating Chicago pastor reacts to weekend violence, death of seven-year-old. We have to take back our cities. Two, CNN reported Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms says she tested positive for coronavirus. Three, earlier today, Business Insider claimed Fauci says the U.S. is still knee-deep in the first wave of the coronavirus pandemic. World News. (laughs) One. Reuters informed readers that TikTok says it will exit Hong Kong market within days. 2. NPR published India surpasses Russia in reported coronavirus infections. 3. CNN discussed how Australia to reimpose six-week coronavirus lockdown in second-largest city as country battles potential second wave. Business news. 1. Novavax skyrockets 41% after U.S. government grants $1.6 billion for coronavirus vaccine creation, claimed Markets Insider. Science News. According to Fox News, scientists discover diminutive dinosaur ancestor, a four-inch tiny bug slayer. Other news. And finally, Yes Magazine informed us that how immigrant essential work that didn't make sense informed us about how immigrant essential workers are finding support during COVID-19. Now let's jump into the episode. Here's Kate Kelly who Wikipedia likes to brag about. They claim she is an American feminist, activist, human rights lawyer, and queer ex-Mormon feminist who founded Ordain Woman. So I mean that sounds pretty impressive so (laughs) let's just get into it. So, um, can you explain a little bit about yourself? So, who are you? What's your background, etc.? Yeah, my name is Kate Kelly, and I am a human rights attorney. Mostly, I work on women's rights. So, I've worked all around the world uh, in countries like Zimbabwe and Dominican Republic and Western Sahara and in the United States uh, on women's rights. Wow, so you're a bigwig. <laughs> Very fancy. Um, What do you do within the Equal Rights Amendment movement? So the Equal Rights Amendment movement has existed since 1923 uh, when it was first introduced. And in the modern day, uh, what we're trying to do is finally get it over the threshold of states that have ratified it. And we can talk more about that. Um, So I work on two things. One, uh, really 
helping additional states ratify. Um, so I work on the ground. Uh, for example, Virginia was the 38th state to ratify, and they did so earlier this year, 2020. And then I also work at the federal level um, to get the deadline removed. Um, the original amendment was proposed with a deadline. So we're trying to get that deadline removed and get the Equal Rights Amendment actually into the Constitution. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us more about like the ERA's history and just what exactly it is? Yeah. So uh, the Equal Rights Amendment is a very simple, straightforward amendment. The main clause has just 24 words. Uh, it says that equality of rights shall not be abridged or denied by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So that's it. It's very simple. Um, and essentially what it does is put women and all marginalized genders into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Give us equal rights. Yeah. So when the Constitution was first written, uh, it was written by men. Uh, and not all men, of course, it was written by white men who were property holders. Uh, some of those men were the richest people in the world at the time. So we are talking about like the Jeff Bezos and the Bill Gates of their day were the ones who were writing that constitution. And so the people they envisioned as being protected by that constitution were dudes like them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is expand that vision of who is protected under the constitution to include specifically women and people uh, of other marginalized genders. So including that on, on account of sex, um, it is really expanding that umbrella to who, who the constitution covers. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously the ERA would still apply now, but what would be the next steps to get that passed? Like if we did get the deadline extended, what would we do? Yeah. So the, uh, Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, just like the, the framers of the Constitution wrote in it at the very beginning, that it can be amended. You know, it, it essentially has an edit feature. Uh, so we can edit the Constitution. Um, and Article 5 of the Constitution lays out what you have to do in order to change it. And, and it's actually very hard. It hasn't been changed very many times. Uh, there are only 27 amendments total to the Constitution. Um, that's because it's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, what you have to do is you have to get it passed in uh, both houses in Congress, and then it has to go to the states, uh, and the states have to ratify it. So three-fourths of the state legislatures have to also ratify it, which is no small task. Um, so the Equal Rights Amendment originally died in 1982 because the deadline came and they fell three states short. So that's 38 states total. And so we came so close to getting mm -hmm. it done in the 1980s, uh, but we fell three states short. So the idea now is that we could, you know, they came up with this idea, okay, let's do the three-state solution. Let's just have three additional states uh, ratify. Um, so that kind of got re resurrected in 2017 after Trump was elected. Uh, people were really questioning, like, what? You know, we need to make some very fundamental and important changes <laughs> in this country. Oh, definitely. Um, and so the Equal Rights Amendment came up. Uh, it was ratified in 2017 in Nevada. Uh, in 2018, it was ratified in Illinois. And in 2020, it was ratified in Virginia. So those kind of fill the slots of those three remaining states that we need. 
Um, and, and the question now is how do we get those states to count? How do we, you know, mm -hmm. even though they were past this initial deadline, how are we going to get them to count? So there are lots of things that a lot of people, including myself, are involved in. Um, one of it is a lawsuit. So those three states, Nevada, Illinois, uh, and Virginia, the attorneys general of those states filed a lawsuit um, against the federal government to say, count our ratifications and inc include the Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution currently, now. Um, and so a bunch, you know, just, just this past week, a bunch of us um, who are part of the movement filed amicus briefs um, to sort of support that litigation. Uh, another thing that's happening is in, the, in Congress. Um, so Congress is the one that put that original deadline in. When they passed the Equal Rights Amendment in 1972 for the first time, uh, they sort of attached the seven-year deadline in, in, in it. But the deadline is not in the Constitution. So the deadline is something that Congress decided to put in. So the idea is Congress decided to put it in and Congress can decide to take it out or remove it. Um, it was already moved. So one time, uh, the, the deadline came in 1979, but they changed it already one time in Congress. They changed it from 1979 to 1982. Um, so they have already modified the deadline one time. And the current bills pending before the U.S. Congress uh, eliminate that deadline. So the House voted on it in February of this year, and they voted to remove the deadline. And then it went over to the Senate side, which many things are going to the Senate to die uh, <laughs> these days. So that is what happened with the ERA bill. Um, but the idea is that Congress can remove that deadline and that the ERA will be integrated into the Constitution. Um, do most amendments have a deadline or do they just give it to the ERA to try and prevent women from having equal rights? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, it actually didn't start until prohibition. So prohibition is the amendment that banned alcohol, which seems crazy today, but happened. <laughs> um, there was a large prohibition movement all across the country, largely uh, brought on by women who were sick of domestic violence. Uh, and saw alcohol as an evil um, that caused abuse against women and children. So they were really into the temperance movement. They got the uh, pro prohibition passed. Um, and with that amendment, they decided, okay, we're going to stick a deadline in this because we want, it's so politically popular right now, we can't vote against it, but we also don't actually want it to become part of the Constitution. Um, and so that's what they did. They eliminated, uh, or sorry, they put in the deadline, uh, seven year deadline. And ever since that amendment, uh, prohibition, there have been these seven year, seven year deadlines with all the amendments. The only deadline, the only amendment that didn't have this, uh, deadline attached to it was the 19th amendment, uh, which, mm. uh, guaranteed women the right to vote. So women at the time fought for it and said, no deadline. Like we do not want any deadline, uh, on our equality. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the hashtag now uh, for this new fight to get the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution um, is hashtag no deadline on equality. Yes. Um, and then some more about you. How did you get involved? What were your first steps? Yeah. So um, I, have a, I have a podcast about the Equal Rights Amendment, actually. Um, it's yes, called it's very Ordinary. Good. Thank you. Um, it's called Ordinary Equality. And in the first episode of Ordinary Equality, I kind of talk about how I came to the Equal Rights Amendment from the opposite perspective. So I was raised Mormon. 
and uh, Mormonism is a very conservative patriarchal church, and they are widely known to have fought against the Equal Rights Amendment. So Mormons were very involved in this fight that I told you about in the 1980s, um, in the ratification fight, but they were fighting it. They did not want the Equal Rights Amendment to be ratified. Um, and so my mother and my grandmother both fought against the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, so I didn't really come around to knowing about it or supporting it in any substantive way until I went to law school. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to law school, we're, you know, we're reading out, we're studying all about the constitution and all these different ways that can protect people. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, scratching my head in class and saying, wait a minute, what about women? Where are we in this document? And where are we in our own constitution? Mm -hmm. And it turns out we're not there. Um, uh, except for the right to vote, women really do not show up in our constitution. And that is when I learned, okay, my own mom and my own grandma fought to keep me uh, and themselves out of the constitution. Um, and so that's when I started fighting for it. Yeah, that would be what would like spark your interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have they changed perspective since then? Uh, my grandmother has not. Uh, she actually lives in Arizona still, uh, and she, Arizona is a state that has not ratified to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, so she, uh, she still doesn't support the Equal Rights Amendment, um, or doesn't see its utility. My mother, on the other hand, has become a big supporter of the ERA and has realized she herself also is a lawyer. Um, mm -hmm. and so she has also realized, oh, you know, this is something that is actually very important. Um, yeah. And is a big supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment in Utah, where she lives. Um, Utah is also a state that has not ratified it. Um, so she's on the board of a pro-ERA group in Utah now. Yeah, awesome. Um, what would you say would be your ultimate goal? Like, obviously, we want equal rights under the law. But it, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to get that. And so mm -hmm, if we mm -hmm. had it under the law, how do you think we'd be able to get it, like, um, avoid and eliminate unconscious bias and everything that's like also holding women back? Yeah. I mean, the law doesn't change everything. <laughs> um, you know, we have laws against racial discrimination and we, racial discrimination still exists in this country as we know, and our, you know, millions of people are learning a lot more about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think part of it, it, it goes together. So changing the law can also help change society. It can, you know, when a, when a kid goes to their government or history class and picks up a constitution and learns about the constitution in school, um, if we pass the Equal Rights Amendment, part of what they're going to learn about is gender equality and that men and women are equal. Um, that, that doesn't happen right now. That doesn't happen today. Um, yeah. So young girls will see themselves reflected in the constitution. Um, but I also think, so there's two kind of big ways that the ERA will help us. One is with legislation. So the, the ERA is part of the constitution, but it becomes an anchor and helps us pass a lot of new laws. So it's not just one one law. It's basically an anchor and we can have limitless laws um, that protect women and girls specifically, whereas we can't have those now um, because there's no basis for them in the constitution, which is the foundation for all of our, our laws and our legal code. Um, the other way that it helps us is, you know, everyone knows about RBG, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she's this amazing Supreme Court justice. And uh, she is um, the one who helped develop the legal theory that women are included under what's the 14th Amendment, uh, which the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Uh, so she sort of developed that. If you've seen any of the RBG movies, like that's what she was doing uh, in the 1970s when the ERA was pending. Yeah. Um, she didn't get what she wanted. So what she wanted was to have what's called strict scrutiny or this like highest, most uh, powerful standard. Mm-hmm. Um, she got something that's called intermediate scrutiny, which is basically just a less. Yeah, like heightened. Yeah, less strong. It's also called heightened scrutiny, um, which makes no sense. But um, <laughs> the entire structure of scrutiny makes absolutely no sense and is very, very opaque intentionally. Um, but basically, yes, it's, it's this lesser form um, of, of judicial review. Um, so RBG did not get what she wanted. Um, and, and the Equal Rights Amendment would take us that final step so that when women and other marginalized genders take their case on the, ba- you know, when they're discriminated against on the basis of sex, when they take that case to the Supreme Court, um, you know, or, or these lower courts, there will be a standard in our constitution. Um, so they will be l- more likely to be able to win. So we'll win uh-huh. not only in c- the courts, but we'll also win in Congress. Um, and is that going to change everyone's mind about sexism in our country? No. Um, but it does go a long way to changing our culture, changing our attitude, changing our laws, changing our schools, changing our education. Um, it, it makes a big difference. Um, yeah. And so I think uh, while the law is not the only way, you know, as a lawyer, we're always talking about the law, the law, you got to change the law. Um, it doesn't do everything, uh, but it does uh, help point us in the right direction. Next, Ms. Kelly and I discussed Ordain Woman, an organization she founded on March 17, 2013. Their mission statement on their website states, Last year, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints reaffirmed its commitment to equality. The Book of Mormon states black, white, bond, and free, male and female, all are alike unto God. This is the church's official teaching. Ordain Woman embraces this statement. We are committed to work for equality and the ordination of Mormon women to the priesthood. So ordination means that they'd be allowed to be priests because right now only men are allowed to be priests. Um, So please enjoy the segment of the interview. More on this after the break. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our amazing sponsors, Knockback. Knockback is a creative video game designed for one to four people in which you attempt to get rid of zombies. As the owner says it, Knockback is a physics sandbox that challenges you to ask yourself, how many ways can I destroy the zombies? Go ahead, play with fire. Throw them into a building or smash them with a log rolling down a hill. Want to suck the zombies into a tight ball and zap them with lightning? You can do that. Rain down sticky stones of fire onto their heads? Got you covered. Hit them with a giant rolling stone that bowls down on the baddies? Go for it. Knockback is a wonderful game that my family has enjoyed learning about during its creation process. It's truly exciting to play and experiment with. Plus, it is always developing and changing. Knockback is an early access game, so you're encouraged to watch it grow. It runs smoothly and is always being updated to add new components that may spark your interest. One thing that's really cool, I think, is just that the creativity, there's like no limits. And I think that's a really important um, just part of a video game is you want to 
not have your creativity stifled. And Knockback does a great job of not doing that. So now, get out there and stick a snail snot rock onto an unsuspecting zombie chin. Visit their Facebook page at Knockback Game, that's spelled K-N-O-C-K-B-A-C-K, Game, G-A-M-E. Uh, I sure hope you know how to spell that. And install Knockback now at Steam's store, and that, that link will be in the description box below. Thank you, and go check out this wonderful game and opportunity. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, I was, uh, I was raised Mormon, um, and you'll, you'll start to sense a theme in my life. Um, I realized uh, that women in my own congregation and in my own institution, you know, the, the most intimate community that I had were not equal. Um, so I started a group, um, to get Mormon women, uh, ordained, um, in most denominations, there's some form of gender bias. Um, and you know, for example, the Catholic church, they don't ordain women. Mm-hmm. Um, so only men can be priests. That is also true of the Mormon church. Um, but there is no clergy. So every Mormon man has the priesthood and no Mormon women do. Um, whereas in the Catholic church, it's a handful of people and they prepare and, you know, all these different things. It's still wrong. Um, but it's not as big of a contrast, like, you know, 50% have it, 50% don't. Yeah. Um, so, I started a group called Ordain Women. Uh, we did many actions uh, in Temple Square, which is right downtown Salt Lake City. And uh, I was, as a result of starting this group, I was excommunicated from the Mormon Church. Um, speaking of legal procedures, it's actually it's it's a, I was had a trial. Um, it's a church court, uh, and I was convicted in that court, um, which is obviously not a real court. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a church court. I was convicted of apostasy. Yes. Um, so do you still um, work with ordained women or have you just moved on to the ERA movement? Um, I still support the ordination of women in every denomination and the organization does still exist. Uh, and I'll support it till the day I die um, <laughs> because I think it's very important uh, for every denomination to fully include women uh, yes. in every structure and power making and decision making position. Mm-hmm. But I personally would not go back. Um, yeah. So if they decided to ordain women tomorrow in the Mormon church, there are many other reasons uh, why I would not go back. Yeah. Um, and then what was it like being a queer Mormon activist? Uh, it was bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, there are certain groups and institutions, uh, that kind of have this totalizing control on certain groups of people, um, being a woman and a queer person in an institution like the Mormon church is very, very difficult. Um, it's also a very racist institution. Um, and so queer women of color all have it even worse. Um, but it's not easy. Um, it's very, very difficult to be in an institution that tells you that what you're, what you want is wrong, who you are is wrong. Um, and that your 
belonging, your belonging or your status in the community uh, depends on being inauthentic and not being able to speak your mind uh, mm-hmm. or live openly as you truly are and who you are. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, I can imagine that would be really difficult. Yeah. So um, what are some other things you've achieved? Like I, we read your Wikipedia page, my mom and I did, and we were very <laughs> impressed. Um, so you. just brag about yourself for a little while. <laughs> um, uh, everyone go read my Wikipedia page, apparently. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I've had like a very, for how young or I guess old, depending on how you look at it, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the adult advisor for a youth a group of youth who advocate for the ERA. They're called Generation Ratify. Um, And no one in the group is older than 18. So it's all teens and preteens. And they call me their ERA mom. Um, (laughs) So in that group, I feel very old. Uh, But uh, I love Generation Ratify. Um, But in, yeah, so in my, I guess, relatively short life, I'm under 40. Um, I've done a lot of things. I've lived um, in a number of countries. I've lived in Mexico. I've lived in Kenya. When I lived in Kenya, I worked in Somalia um, and I was working on sexual violence legislation. I did a fellowship at Columbia Law School Human Rights Institute, um, the same place that Amal Clooney works, um, which was very fancy. Um, and a great experience. Um, I've worked with the United Nations. Um, most, most recently I was helping work on a report of the UN special rapporteur, um, of freedom of religion and belief. And he is essentially doing a report. Um, he did a report. He, he, um, issued a report on the, when the, um, rights to freedom of religion and women's rights and, uh, LGBTQ rights clash, so when you have a right to freedom of religion, but you also have a right to live as a queer person and you have right to life and you have right to all these different things. So what happens when those seem to clash? Um, so I went to Geneva, um, I went to Argentina, I went to Uruguay um, to work on this report with the UN Special Rapporteur. Um, so I've had a lot of opportunities um, in my life. I've also worked with the um, UN Special Rapporteur um, on, against torture, um, in Geneva. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like at this point I'm just listing my resume, but I'm very, (laughs) um, I'm very proud of the work I've done. Yes. As you should be. Thank you. Um, because I think, you know, everything I've done has been in the service of women, um, Mm -hmm. and human rights. And so, yeah, I stand really proud. Next, we discussed Generation Ratify, a teen-led organization to ratify the ERA and get it into the Constitution. Kate Kelly is their adult advisor, so I asked for opinion on how everything functions. Ratify. Um, a lot of times when I go to ERA meetings, I'm the youngest person in the room, <laughs> um, which is kind of scary because I'm almost 40. Um, and so my like absolute joy and obsession is this group of very, very young people uh, who are getting involved and they are super organized. Um, it was started by two 15 year old girls, um, Rosie, um, coach, coacher, um, and Belen Yashita, I believe is her name. Um, 
and I probably just butchered both of those names, but Rosie <laughs> and Belen. Um, and uh, they, yeah, they're just 15 years old and they, you know, it, it was being ratified in Virginia. And so they said, you know, as group, as young people, as people who can't even vote yet, um, you know, we're in middle school or in high school, but we're going to do whatever we can to get ourselves into the constitution. And uh, so I'm, I'm their adult advisor. As far as I know, I'm the only adult that's actually like officially involved mm-hmm. <laughs> in Generation Ratify, which is so fun. Um, and yeah, they call me their ERA mom. Um, a lot of things I do, I just kind of like help advise them on any legal stuff, um, you know, or, you know, setting up their structure or their organization yeah. or um, they just recently filed an amicus brief in this case that I was talking about that the attorneys general um, are doing in, in the, in DC. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a group of teenagers essentially organized and filed a brief in a federal case in a lawsuit, um, which is very cool and very rare. Definitely. Um, so if folks go to generations ratifies website, you can actually read the brief. Um, and the whole brief is about how young people have been involved from the very beginning in the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. In fact, uh, the two women who wrote the Equal Rights Amendment were very young at the time, uh, Alice Paul um, and uh, another attorney, suffrage, um, suffragette, suffragist attorney, um, uh, wrote it along with Alice Paul and they introduced it in 1923. So they started writing it in 1921. Um, so two young women uh, wrote the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, and yeah, exactly. It's very, very exciting. Um, and so since the literal very beginning of the ERA, uh, women, particularly young women, have been involved. And that's yeah. kind of what, what the brief is about. It's more like a story. It's, it's actually very compelling. It's not a boring legal document. So I encourage <laughs> folks to read it. <laughs> Yeah. And so you having the legal background, you're able to help them with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was me um, and then uh, several amazing attorneys um, from Covington and Burling, which is a law firm in Washington, D.C. So Lauren Moxley uh, is one of the attorneys uh, and she had uh, several other attorneys who were working with her uh, to write the brief. So, yeah, we basically, uh, you know, Teenagers do not have law degrees typically. Um, so, yeah, not yet at least. Uh, so, we help them, yeah, craft the brief and file it. All right. Um, and then you have the Ordinary Equality podcast, as you mm-hmm. already mentioned. So, what do you discuss on there? How does that whole thing work? And you, you're in a podcast network, right? So you're pretty yeah. big deal. <laughs> I'm I'm a very big deal. Um, <laughs> no, so a Wonder Media Network is the uh, is the group that put out the podcast. They are a women led podcasting company here in New York City, where I live, and they do incredible work. They have another podcast called Encyclopedia Womanica. Um, they have a podcast called Brown Girls Guide to Politics. They have all kinds of really interesting podcasting and really what it focuses on is bringing forward voices of women and other marginalized groups. Um, And so my podcast is specifically about the Equal Rights Amendment. It goes all the way back to before the U.S. Constitution ever existed um, and brings you all the way forward to the modern day. Um, So how we got the Constitution we have, 
why we didn't get the Equal Rights Amendment in the 1970s. Phyllis Schlafly, who you'll know from Mrs. America. Um, <laughs> I actually interviewed her daughter, um, wow. Anne Schlafly Corey. So I interviewed her daughter in the podcast. Um, and then I bring everyone kind of forward to the modern day and where we are right now, what people can do and how they can get involved. Wow. Um, and then on that podcast, um, have you ever talked about like Mrs. America? Like, do you recommend that? Because I thought it was really interesting. I thought I learned a lot, but it might not have entirely been historically accurate. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, I loved Mrs. America. I think it's, you know, learning about women and their contributions to the movement are really, really important. So I loved it. I mean, who, how can you not love Kate Blanchett, you know, as Phyllis <laughs> yeah. Schlafly? Um, some people think it focused too much on her um, and didn't, uh, to the exclusion of other people. For example, one person I would have really liked to see in Mrs. America uh, is Representative Patsy Mink. Uh, she's actually the first ever woman of color elected to Congress. Uh, mm. She was from Hawaii. And she was a big supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment. In fact, uh, when the Equal Rights Amendment went to the states to be ratified, Hawaii ratified it on the same day that it passed in the U.S. Senate. So because of the time difference, you know, it passed in D.C. And then, you know, it's five hours earlier or whatever it is in Hawaii. And so they were able to pass it on that same day. That's crazy. Um, so she was a really interesting person uh, and courageous woman. So I would have loved to have seen her in Mrs. America. Uh, but overall, I thought, you know, it's such for, for a person who's been in the movement for a long time, trying to get this thing into the Constitution, trying to get people's attention, trying to help people understand it doesn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> it, it was helpful because I think a lot of people have said to me, oh, I watched Mrs. America. I didn't know we didn't have the year yet. And I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> um, finally people are realizing it. Uh, so, and at the very, very end of the Mrs. America series, there's actually this little montage that shows what, what, what happened, you know, this year um, and shows that they just ratified it in Virginia in 2020. And so I think a lot of people who go through the series will then realize, oh, this is still happening today. Yeah. Um, and so that I think is just a really wonderful and a great gift to the movement. Yeah. When I finished the show with my mom, I read that and was like, wait, this isn't passed. And I like kind of panicked and Googled stuff and did a lot of odd research. And then immediately was like, I'm going to get involved. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're, you're a testament to why I'm so excited. Um, if, if that was your reaction, then hopefully that was the reaction for hundreds of other people. I mean, it's so important and it's really, I mean, this is really good work that you're doing. Um, how can the people who are listening get involved in the fight for equal rights? So if you're a young person, and especially if you can't vote yet, I would say get involved uh, with Generation Ratify. They do, they're trying to set up chapters in every state in the United States, and they do incredible work. They also do really fun things like slumber parties <laughs> and social media events. And, you know, they do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, if you are a person who can vote, uh, I would say you should contact your representatives uh, specifically your senators, um, and ask them to support um, what's called SJR6, which is um, Senate Joint Resolution 6, uh, which is the bill to eliminate the deadline. So that bill is being, it's bipartisan. So it doesn't matter if your senator is a Republican or a Democrat. 
Um, it's bipartisan. It's uh, sponsored by uh, Senator Murkowski and Senator Cardin. Um, and so you can support, you can ask your senator to, to co-sponsor this bill to eliminate the deadline. Awesome. Um, where can they find you online and like your podcast and just anything for more information? Yeah, um, you can just search Ordinary Equality uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Kate uh, underscore Kelly underscore ESQ, which means Esquire, which means attorney. Um, so it's Kate Kelly ESQ. And then um, Ordinary Equality also has a Twitter handle. Um, it's Ord, O-R-D, Equality. Nice. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yes. I'm so glad you're doing this. And I'm so excited. You're going to get involved with Generation Ratify. Definitely. I mean, I've been moved by the movement. We got to do this. <laughs> ratify this thing. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Nice to chat with you. That was Kate Kelly. If you are interested in learning more about her and her journey to ratify the ERA and get it in the Constitution, along with all of the other amazing, interesting historical things that she talks about on her podcast, you should definitely go check it out. It's Ordinary Equality. It is honestly one of the best podcasts I've heard in a long time, and I really enjoyed it. And definitely maybe watch Miss America if you want just more information about the time period as well. Um, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. And again, thank you so much to Kate Kelly for joining us. It was amazing to get to talk to you and hear all of your expertise. All right, on to the outro. And that's on Thursday for the episode that was supposed to be today's about Betty Friedan. If you have any questions, you can send us voice messages on our website. Go follow us on our socials at quarantine.teen.pod on Instagram and Facebook, at quarantine p on Twitter and, and quarantine, you know, spelled fancy, on YouTube, and I'm pretty sure it's at quarantine pod on Pinterest to get the newest information. Subscribe to our mailing list by making an account on our website, which is linked in the description. We will. We are also now on the Wix app, and you can hear any updates there as well, as there are some big updates coming soon as our next mini series approaches. Thank you so much to all of the amazing efforts that went into creating this episode, specifically Kate Kelly for joining us for the interview. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on Thursday. Special thanks to Knockback and Anchor for sponsoring the podcast and Wix for the amazing website creation tools. Also, thank you to our many streaming platforms. I recently distributed quarantine to a lot, so... <gasps> That just sounded really funny. All right, anyway. Acast, Alltop, Apple Podcasts, Audioburst, Anchor, Breaker, Bullhorn, Castbox, Deezer, Fid, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, iHeartRadio, Listen App, Listen Notes, Mahalan, Overcast, Player FM, Plex, Pocketcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Podcast Land, Podcast Republic, Podchaser, Radio Public, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Have a great day. <laughs>